0: You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey, formerly Bulletproof, Bulletproof. Radio. A state of high performance. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. Today, we're going to talk about cold water, not about whether you should drink cold water, but actually... What happens when you swim in cold water? What happens when you soak yourself in cold water? And of course, our friend Wim Hof has been on the show. He's graced the stage of my biohacking conference. And um, he's always fun to hang out with. So he's made some waves in the the scientific community, but still, it's kind of fringy. But I think it's changing now, and I think it's it's appropriate to give Wim some credit for saying, here's my lipopolysaccharide levels, and you know, I can withstand things other people can't. It's the cold water. But now there's uh, a lot more science coming out on that. So I found a guest for you uh, who knows uh, exactly what's going on uh, with some medical knowledge. And what you're going to learn in the episode is how you can use cold water On things like depression, anxiety, PTSD, arthritis, migraines, and how to have your own cold water practice. And that can even cause stem cells to work better, better immunity. And I'm also going to have a little bit of skepticism, and I'm going to display strategic laziness by saying, seriously, I don't want to do that. So just wait till I troll our guest today. And speaking of our guest today, Um, He's from Brighton in the UK. I'm not sure exactly how to say that with the right Brighton accent, but he's going to teach us. Um, That's basically in England where they look out at France and um, make rude gestures, um, depending on what decade you're in. Uh, He's an MD and a PhD, and he works half-time in Norway. And normally he's about keeping people warm uh, because, well, he's a doctor, but now he's making him cold, but not in that way I just implied. So he has a, a team at the Extreme Environments Lab at the UK's Portsmouth University, and they're doing clinical studies of sea swimming on depression and anxiety. And that's why I wanted to have him on the show. Not to mention his new book, Chill the Cold Water Swim Cure, a transformative guide to renew your body and mind. Mark, welcome. Thank you for coming on the show.
1: Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure. I'm so glad you had me on.
0: Now it's kind of amazing. You're in Norway, and we're just, you know, having this casual video chat. Uh, it would have been pretty difficult for me to fly to Norway, or for you to fly to me here in the the dark gray northern parts of Canada. So, I'm just technically, I'm feeling pretty grateful that we can just have this this chill conversation. See what I did there? <laughs> now, you're a medical doctor. And suddenly, you're getting into cold water swimming. Um, I'm—I've always thought it was kind of nuts. Uh, I remember when I was getting my MBA, um, a group of friends would wake up in the middle of the night, something like six in the morning or something, and they would go for a cold water swim in San Francisco Bay. And I always thought they were nuts. I never joined them, um, just because it was just—it was too early, and plus it was cold. But they swore that it was completely changing them. But it was always this hardcore. Like, hardcore almost like masochistic like watch what i can do uh, kind of group are you one of those guys like, you're like the the you know i'm gonna see if i can endure i'm gonna struggle and suffer and w- was this your vibe when you started getting into this or was it something else uh,
1: do you know what it's completely the opposite i was okay. like you you know there right. was, so yeah i've always been a pool swimmer yeah that's that's my exercise that's how i get my training how i keep fit is in the pool and then one summer uh you know, nearly twenty years ago now. I was complaining to an old friend of mine, I said, Look, the uh, the pool's shut for a couple of weeks in the in the you know in the middle of summer. It says pool shut, no training, you know, it's a bit boring, isn't it? He said, Go and join the sea swimmers. I said, I didn't even realise the club had a group of sea swimmers. So I said, Well well when do they uh, when do they swim? They said, Seven o'clock in the morning. Well, when? I said, All oh, year. No. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize the club had a group of sea swimmers. So I said, well, well when do they, uh, when do they swim? They said seven o'clock in the morning. Well, when I said, "All oh, yeah, no, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was just as shocked as everyone else. And, but you know, the pool was shut. I wanted my swim. I needed my, uh, my exercise. So I went down and swam around the pier the next day and, as I was walking back up the beach, you know, it's, it's about uh, about a mile, probably not even that, you know. So I was walking up the beach, and and, it, and this is the middle of summer, so it's twenty degrees centigrade. what's that sixty eight Fahrenheit, something like that? Walking up the beach and thinking, God, this this feels really good. Yeah, you know, I just wasn't expecting that. I was just expecting to have a swim, and you know, those two weeks, which was the initial plan, has turned into, as I say, nearly twenty years. Of doing it myself but when I go into the water and it's really cold I'm still you know I, I'm not hard about it at all yeah you know? and, and this is something I'm really keen to get across about it is it's not about being hard be the dipper don't do the thing I mean Wim Hof I mean yeah he's incredible isn't he uh but
0: he is I mean he's an amazing physiological he, yeah. He's batshit crazy, and I, I've told <laughs> that to his face. He, he, he's a friend; like I love the guy, but like yeah. he, he does stuff because he can, right? And and he has this energetic perspective on on cold and how it's his teacher and breath, and I. And so he's just not like most people, right? And and that's okay. And what I'm trying to figure out is: is cold water swimming always going to be this? Unusual group of people who are either really sick or just really like I'm going to charge forth, or is this something you know my mom would be doing?
1: Well, that's uh, that's really interesting. I think twenty years ago when I started doing it, that's that's what it was. But certainly in the UK and actually to a, to an extent in Norway over the last five ten years, it's changed, and now it is more and more people, and particularly over the pandemic when. Other forms of exercise were closed. The one thing, certainly if you lived near cold water, the one thing you could do was get into, get into the cold water and get a, get a swim, get a dip. And people tried it. They came out and they felt good and they've
0: kept doing it. Uh, I'm seeing it catch on as well, but, it's endorphins, right? I mean, you, you get in the cold water, you get a bunch of, uh, when you come out especially, you have this huge endorphin rush. And of course, if you're anxious and depressed or even dealing with PTSD, a big wave of endorphins helps enormously. So is there something going on besides you know getting a hit? And couldn't I just take a cold shower and be done with it? Uh
1: Yes and no. So first of all, it's not just endorphins. And I think okay. that's that's quite important. It's, I know it's not. <laughs> the, the endorphins get in. But it's the the main you know, driver of that feeling is your know, noradrenaline and your adrenaline. And that uh yeah, that really kicks in and you know, that's that's kind of what you get from cocaine. That is what you get from cocaine, yeah. You know, it it causes release of these things. But when you do it, you put your body in the water, your body's releasing it naturally, it's got its natural ways of controlling it. And so it it doesn't have the negative effects, I suppose. I did a TV program with uh, with a doctor called the doctor who gave up drugs, Chris Van Tulliken. and yeah, this was where we basically started out on our way of saying, well, actually, this really does work for for depression and anxiety. But that's that's another story. But anyway, the first time he went in, he, afterwards he came out and he said to me. God, if this was a drug they'd make it illegal but the but what you say about the shower yes you can get it from the shower however it's not as effective the thing is to get the effect or the the so getting into cold water is a stress mm-hmm. and it's all about the, the the benefits are you you feel good because you get uh these this release of all these chemicals but you also uh, adapt to cold water. But getting into cold water, there are two factors which determine the amount or the, the extent of this stress. And the first is how cold the water is. And the second is how quickly you get cold. And so if the water the water coming out of the shower is probably uh, 58, 70 degrees, maybe something like that, uh, 68, 70 degrees, and that's not as cold as most cold water. You're likely to swim in, certainly in Canada, certainly in the UK. So so you get your maximum physiological effect, or no, you get maximum vasoconstriction. I mean, that's one of the main things. So all your blood vessels to your skin shut down. That's one of the ways you react to the cold. And with cold water, you you get that at 68 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's not that cold. I mean, you get more of an effect lower down, but you're, you're getting a significant physiological effect at 68 degrees Fahrenheit. So most places can deliver that, but it's not going to be as effective as getting into something colder. And yeah, of course, you have a shower. You're not hit all at once. You get, you, know, you just, yeah, it's not as if you're totally immersed. You know, you're just getting splashes, as it were.
0: So how much better is swimming in cold water outdoors for you versus either a really cold shower or just standing in really cold air for three minutes? Well, the cryo chamber probably works quite well, but that has to be a lot, lot colder
1: because air doesn't oh, contain yeah. air. air has such a, such a low what we call thermal heat capacity, and okay. and you know, so that has an effect. And yeah, you know, yeah, if you've got a cryo chamber, I think you probably get the same effect in terms of the cold. The with okay. a shower, you can get an effect. You know, there was one study which showed that people who took cold showers, as opposed to those who didn't spent less days sick off work. So you do get an effect. You get an effect if you wear a wetsuit when you go into the cold water. But for me, the cold water isn't just about the cold water. I mean, that has a massive effect and that's a really important part of it. But it's, it's the whole the whole package you get, you know, the, most people, I mean, I always recommend you swim with someone else. And a lot of people I know swim in groups, including myself, you have a lot. So you're being in group. you're reducing social isolation. We know that's a really important factor. Uh, co- community
0: in, and connection to others uh, is a massive reason to do it. If you know, you have an organized event, but that's going to be once a week, usually, or are you at a place where you do it every morning? uh well yes
1: <laughs> in brighton they, they do do it every morning there are a lot of people who do it every morning and wow. but saying that i think the frequency of which you at which you do it probably once a week is enough to really you know, reap the majority of the benefit you get a bit of a boost if you do it every day but if you're doing it once a week you're probably yeah
0: getting getting as much as you yeah really need The studies that I've, I've found um, showed that in mice, that after three days of cold exposure, there was a shift in the fatty acid composition of cardiolipin inside the mitochondrial membrane. Uh, And it's funny because when people start doing cold showers, which is worth doing before you do your first, you know, cold outdoor swim, at least I think um, the first day, no one can do a minute of cold shower if they hit them right in the face because like you get a headache from it. But The second day, you might go 10 seconds, 20 seconds the first day, second day, 40 seconds, third day, a minute, and you're still swearing the whole time and you hate your life. And then the fourth day, when you finish, you're like, that wasn't so bad. I'm actually relaxed. I feel great. And that three-day period matched what I'm guessing is just all mammalian mitochondrial behavior, um, where suddenly your cells shifted to be able to make more heat more quickly. Yeah, there are two
1: ways looking at this. Yeah, There were two approaches to beginning to research cold water as a therapy. And I could have taken the res- the route where you look at these these really interesting and important things like cardiolipins, and you say, well, that's how it has an effect. Maybe that's, yeah, we could do it through this and that's three minutes and, you know, or you can take it from the other end and say, look, I suspect this works. You know, I feel good, I'm not depressed. And we know it reduces inflammation and the and we know inflammation is associated with depression. So let's see if it works. And then as time goes on, we can start really digging down into these yeah you know, fascinating aspects of how it works. I think I got the idea for this, you know, eight, ten years ago now. And you know, the problem has been. Getting funding for it because it's exactly what you say. It's not a randomized controlled trial. There's no drug company out there going to make millions from it. People, you know, the UK, certainly the funding bodies there, you know, the government, they want to encourage you to work with industry. They they have no real interest in finding something that's pretty much free, as long as you've got access. I think maybe it's easier to get access in the UK where we're surrounded by water. But, uh, you know, and, and that's been a big problem actually. But yes, it's biohacking. It's, uh, it's stress response what hacking. It, that's what I'm doing. What, it,
0: what you're doing is you're saying, well, it's probably not going to hurt you. Uh, and so let's see if it works. And if it does, you got the results you wanted and we can dive deeper into mechanisms later if we want to. If not, we can just do what works as long as we're not seeing evidence of harm. And that's kind of how a lot of sick people get well. Um, when you get this vasoconstriction in the skin, whether it's a cold shower or a cold water swim—probably more in a cold water swim because of water pressure on you—it's um, going to put way more blood into the brain, right? Well, I suppose there's, the one part of it is the brain is pretty well perfused all the time
1: anyway. But I do think, yeah, you know, I think again, yeah, you know, I'm coming back to my uh, my biohacking rather than my scientific hack. Uh, yeah, my PhD—that's that's on uh, on stopping people getting cold, as you say, and that was all all, all proper studies, as it were. But right. here I'm I'm straying into the the, the biohacking, as you're saying. And, and I mean, I don't know what goes on in the brain. I mean, for me, the best, you know, there is yeah, you know, I can I can talk about you know the cortisol, the serotonin, the dopamine, the noradrenaline, and so on. But for me, the best again going back to the what happens, what do you feel, what do you experience. The best description comes from uh, Jill Bolt Taylor. Have you come across her? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so, she's been on the show. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. You know, so, you know, her experience of having a stroke, knowing she's having a stroke and not caring about it, because that was the left side of her brain. You know, the, all that stuff, which is fear, which is time, which is the future, which is all that kind of stuff, that was just bounced out. And she just came totally into a body and she was at one with nature and full of empathy and things like that. Yes. This is the feeling I get. You know, I've, here in Norway, I have a 10 mile cycle to work. 500 meters before I get to work, there's a lake. I get there, my head's all, all sort of going round and round. I've got all that chatter going on. Uh, you know, I'm hot, I'm sweaty. Get into the water. When I come out, you know, I'm. I'm a different person. It's like, oh, isn't isn't the world amazing? Isn't this just a great place? Oh, then I f- I feel so good. I feel so calm. And it, her description, obviously on a completely different level to mine, but it really reflects my experience. And here we're talking experience rather than details of circulation and oxygen and whatever. And right. I don't know whether it's because it's taking your concentration away from your brain you know, away from your mind and into your body
0: i mean i think that's that's really something that's how it feels why is sticking your face in cold water so much worse than even sticking your balls in cold water
1: well there, i think there are a couple of things about putting your face in which are worth worth bringing out here the first mm-hmm. is your face has so many nerve endings in
0: it I mean, <laughs> Why is sticking your face in cold water so much worse than even sticking your balls in cold water?
1: Well, there, I think there are a couple of things about putting your face in which are worth worth bringing out here. The first mm-hmm. is your face has so many nerve endings in it. Your face and your hands, they're the ones. They have so many nerve endings. You, know, you really have to use those. It's your interface with the world. So evolution has left us with a lot of nerve endings in there. We want to protect our face. We want to protect our head, our brains, things like this. So, you know, we're really sensitive to our faces. And the other thing is that, so you put your body into cold water and it gives you a sympathetic stress response. But when you put your face into water, it actually stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system and so, you know, your rest, digest, uh, chill out and anti-inflammatory response comes from putting your face into the nervous, in, into the water. So I think that's part of the reason why you have a kind of different effect from putting your face in. And that's it. And if you actually go swimming in a hole, if you just put your face in and you've got a high vagal tone, I mean, you're super high on vagal tone. You know, it's uh, it's over the top. But the thing is, if you get into water that gives, sets off the sympathetic response and so you know if you put your face into water afterwards it more balances it out and the other thing that the benefit from putting your body into water is more about the adaptation to cold the adaptation to stress whereas and that wow. reduces your your inf- inflammation and your your uh, the inflammatory levels whereas putting your face into cold water that actually has a direct effect on reducing it so you have a long-term effect from body in cold water you have an immediate effect from face in cold water
0: i did not know that the face activated a different part of the nervous system that's really important um do you uh, do you measure heart rate variability ever when you're doing cold swimming or not doing cold swimming uh not yet but it's on our list
1: and it's a study we're doing at the moment (laughs) because I think that's a really interesting way of, you know, starting to dig down into the mechanisms. I think that's a really interesting way to approach it. So I, I'll have to tell you the results in a year or two's time, but that's, yeah, I think it's a really interesting.
0: Uh, It's intriguing uh, because we do cryo at, um, at Upgrade Labs uh, at some of our locations. Um, by the way, guys, own in UpgradeLabs.com if you're interested in being a franchisee. Um, but um, Cryo is optional for that. We do see in general members HRV goes up and we're doing all the, the data analysis from huge amounts of data to tease out if someone does three of our interventions which ones uh, are the ones contributing to an increase or decrease in HRV? And we're getting HRV from whatever wearables they have. So it, it's almost like you, instead of doing a proper study, you could just tell everyone, "Hey, do you have a Whoop or an Aura or a Fitbit or whatever? Um, you know, give us your data. Give us your data when you go cold swimming and see what happens. Uh, it, could yeah, be, I mean, it could be, I mean, really interesting. interesting. I'd love to. I'd love
1: to see that. See that data. Part of, I. I've been. In contact the guy who's driving this bit of research is, is an expert in heart rate variability
0: okay so you're, but, you're going to be looking uh, at but it he, sure.
1: he says that with these he says but he, yeah he's yeah a heart rate variability nerd so uh, he says that the the whoop and the things like that don't give you accurate enough information Yeah, you know, their response rate isn't quite quick enough but it would be fascinating to see I, I, i'm not convinced by this yeah you know, i think you probably could see broad changes So, I'd be fascinated to see if you
0: do notice differences with your methods. Um, One of our upgrade collective members here, Ski, did track his HRB with a polar strap and says before, during, and after a cold plunge, which isn't swimming, but it's at least a plunge, his HRB goes up. But if he does a sauna, uh, it goes down. Interesting. What about saunas? I, I mean, should. Should we be doing what the Norwegians, given that you're in Norway, uh, do? They, you know, hop in the sauna, then go roll in the snow, or dip in the frozen lake, and then go back in the sauna. Do you play around with that? Do you have whole communities of people, uh, you know, uh, only, only for north? pleasure, not for science? I, I would okay. say.
1: So, uh, so yes. Yeah, so there, are, there are a couple of things. One thing is quite interesting. Is so, I went to this conference on. The thermoregulation and or the scientific com, uh, conference, and what I was fascinated about, you know, coming from the cold side of things is that a lot of what you see from our end is mimicked from the hot side of things, so it's thermal stress, and thermal stress can be cold thermal stress and thermal stress can be hot thermal stress. So it does seem that you can have the same effect from a sauna, but what they were doing, what they had to do is actually raise your internal temperature uh, quite mm-hmm. high. You know, so you're actually becoming hyperthermic. And the so I think that's, whereas we get into the cold, I think one of the important things is you don't become hypothermic. You stay in long enough, you know, exposing yourself to the cold is stressful and that's good. And this is this is how we're hacking our stress system is by getting used to that stress. Whereas actually becoming hypothermic is always bad for you. And you know, this is why I come from my... Uh, PhD is all about stopping people getting cold during surgery because when you actually become hypothermic you lose your thermoregulation you become hypothermic Mm -hmm. you have more complications but the other aspect of saunas is of course getting in and out is it safe to get in and out and yes it is and it's just a fantastic well I've got a friend a friend who lives a few miles away she has a lake at the bottom of a garden she has a sauna last year lake totally frozen over dad comes out with the, the chainsaw cuts a hole in the lake and there we are warm up first and then go in the thing is, and then go into the water and it's it's so much better than if you it feels so much better than if you go in cold and the 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 reason for this is you know your your core is really protected yeah you, know, you vasoconstrict you, you shut down all the the stuff to the skin or the blood supply to the skin when you get in cold water your body naturally does it and then your fascia your fat or your muscles they act as a kind of storage heater and if that storage heater is cold you've got no spare you can't stay in that water very long you're going to become hypothermic very quickly but if that storage heater is heated right through you've been in a sauna then you've got more time, and it and it actually does feel better. I find I find it feels so much better if I go into the water warm.
0: It seems a lot easier to do a cold swim if you just got out of a sauna. That's for sure. Um, just like if you're you know, living somewhere where the indoor heating is always set to some ridiculous temperature all winter long, like you go outside without a jacket on, you kind of ah. Like, oh, but it's because you're already too hot. Uh, yeah. Do you know what? Okay. Sweden has the highest temperature,
1: internal temperatures in the world. They, they keep their houses, their, their thermostats are set the highest
0: in the world. No kidding. I wonder why uh, they do that. Um, it's also the highest amount of coffee consumption per capita. It's a, it's an odd and cool country. Um, but that those words do not apply to Saab automobiles. Those were definitely not cool. I have to say, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you talk a lot in your book about uh, community, um, and I know in certain parts of the world, like Norway, um, all of Scandinavia, uh, parts of Russia, you know the the sauna is is a a thing you do, and it's you know a community thing. It's co-ed, it's naked, and all. Um, talk to me about you're riding your bike to work. Would you just strip naked? Are you wearing a speedo underneath this? Like, how do you handle the? Dressing, undressing, community—is this usually a bunch of dudes? Is this co-ed? Like, walk me through the cultural dynamics of cold water swimming and how it works in real life because I'm, I'm confused.
1: Well, I, th- I think there are a lot of different cultural dynamics, is what it comes down to. So, I cycle to work. I work in Norway. I cycle there. Uh, I I swim on my own basically. But whereas when I'm in the UK, we've got uh we've got the swimming club and it's got a little. Uh, it's an arch so it's got a kind of shed <laughs> under the under the road as it were uh, where we go and lots of people yeah have got a hundred members I mean yeah usually usually 20 30 people there every morning from seven o'clock or actually from 6 30 in the morning there are 20 30 people we've got somewhere warm and out of the wind to change and that makes a massive difference during lockdown we weren't allowed to use the changing rooms it was like super cold and then you yeah, so you go into the sea, there's always someone to swim with. You go into the sea, you splash around. Yeah, you know, we get a lot of waves certainly in the winter, yeah. You know, there's a yeah, you know, some days it's swimming days and other days it's waves days. You just play around like kids in the waves. And then you go back in, you have a have a shower, get dressed, yeah, you know, go on and have coffee together.
0: Um and afterwards, um do you take a warm shower or do you just drink the coffee to get warm? So the best way to get warm either before or after cold
1: exposure is from the inside out. So getting cold from the outside, uh, you know, warming up from the outside in. Yeah. just doesn't quite work. If you do that before a swim, you actually cool down quicker. Whereas, and by this, I mean use, using exercise. So that's the best way to do it. And, if you go into the shower i mean it's not about having a hot shower i wouldn't recommend a hot shower but a lukewarm shower that's what i really like and particularly you know if it's been super cold my hands i can hardly move my hands just keeping your hands warm getting a bit of that but lukewarm and i don't stay for very long and then i carry on cycling and occasionally i have to drive down drive for my swim and it's just not as good you know i really noticed the difference i haven't used that exercise i haven't got my body moving before I've got into the
0: water. Okay. That, um, that makes sense. I asked Wim Hof the same thing. I think last time he was on the show and he said, like, it's okay to finish warm, but it's better to finish cold. And, and most people say finishing cold, uh, is, is the right way to do it. Um, and of course you want to rinse salt water off your skin and things like that. Uh, and it seems like you could even burst some capillaries if you take a really hot shower after getting out of really cold water, right? Cause the the blood vessels are going to be asked to do unnatural things if you're taking a really hot shower it wouldn't even feel good right yeah no totally
1: i mean i think this is the problem there's a lot of speculation out there that uh, you go under a hot shower you faint because you suddenly vasodilate you actually vasodilate very slowly but the problem is because you vasodilate very slowly after after that swim after that kind of cold exposure the blood isn't moving that heat away from you. So a, a, temp, a temperature of a shower that would normally be fine for you, actually you can damage the skin. You can actually cause a scald, a scald by uh, by having that kind of hot water. So it's the, you know, I work on the principle, it's the lowest temperature that feels comfortable. Now, I
0: hate a cold shower. I, I'm perfectly happy getting into cold water. <laughs> I hate a cold shower. Interesting. Um, I notice. Well, I guess if you're in the ocean, you have enough currents. But if you're doing uh, an ice bath, which a lot of people do, the water's not moving around. So you sit there and you actually build a little buffer of warm water that you heat it up around you. But if you have like a chilled, cold tub with circulating water, the way I do, it's constantly moving across your body. It actually cools you much more quickly than just sitting in a static ice bath. So I believe with almost every biohack, uh, that's out there, whether we're talking, you know, light therapy, electrical stimulation, cold water, we're going to figure out the rate, duration, and timing of application that causes specific physiological changes. So there's probably some special treatment where you, you know, hot, cold, hot, cold three times, and then you do the hokey pokey and you become enlightened. I have no idea, right? But but there, there's nuances, I would say, that none of us knows yet that we'll tease out. But what I wanted to ask you about, was about some of the specific things you mentioned in the book about, oh, say, chronic pain. A lot of people have chronic pain. I had it for much of my life. I just thought you were supposed to hurt all the time, uh, especially my upper back uh, and my joints. It, it was. i was diagnosed with arthritis when I was 14, and I don't have chronic pain anymore. I also do cold therapy and many other things. What have you seen with chronic pain and cold exposure? <laughs> Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. What have you seen with chronic pain and cold exposure?
1: Well, I think think this is really interesting. So there are a couple of uh, really good examples uh, from the book. Yes, there's David who I saw with. He's in his seventies and he's had crippling arthritis. I mean, literally crippling arthritis. And yeah, he gets himself out of the bed in the morning. He comes down. He has to walk maybe a mile down to the beach, gets in the water on his crutches, and you know gets into the water. And he says that means that he doesn't need to take his opioids until midday. And this is a guy who really doesn't want to take opioids. And wow. he's tried going cold turkey, and he just can't do it. He's, a, he's an amazing guy. But I think also particularly interesting was one of the guys we had down uh, joined our courses. Where we, so we ran these courses as part of a clinical trial when we run them. You know, generally, as just as therapy now. But as part of a clinical trial, we ran these courses for depression and anxiety. So we got people who are clinically diagnosed with one or other, or both of them, and got them to yeah do a eight week course of sea swimming. It's about thirty minutes totally, probably fifteen and thirty to thirty minutes in the water. Not especially cold, somewhere between I don't know, probably fifty and sixty eight degrees centigrade uh, Fahrenheit. And you know, and it was all about depression, anxiety, and grant you know has has suffered from chronic pain you know he's a really was a really fit guy semi professional cyclist surfer but kept on having blowing discs and uh, in his back and has so much pain and he came along because he was depressed he said look i feel really it's a really lonely place was one of his things about it yeah and he was about to get referred on to the chronic pain clinic and he was hating this and you know and thinking about antidepressants and uh, all that kind of stuff and he came along he saw, saw a thing on the BBC said right I'm gonna try that and he went along for his depression but he noticed coincidentally that his pain got better and he has not needed that referral to the chronic pain clinic as a consequence, yeah. He calls he, he's got this pool, so he swims in the sea, but he's also okay. found this pool up in the things. He says,
0: The chill pool that's my tramadol. The, there's some amount of toughness uh, that's that's important, and for especially for men, but for some women as well, that sort of the walk it off mindset like, you know, it's it's you know, it's just a flesh wound to go back to Monty Python, and well. That kind of works, but that's not what you're talking about here. It, it's that teaching the body it's not going to die from being cold for a little while because it feels like you're going to die at first. And somehow it feels like when you show the body, just chill a little bit. Like you don't have to be stressed over this, that it may have a more systemic effect. I know that it helps with sleep to do stuff like that, but there's, there's something else going on. Is it neurological or is it psychological? What would you say?
1: I, I think it's a whole it's a whole package. I mean, I I think yeah. You, I think I've heard you talk before about the poly pill and the poly exercise and stuff like this, and that's what you're getting with it. So it is. So on one point, you've got a, definitely a psychological thing going on. Yeah, you, know, you build resilience by just getting into that water. I mean, Sarah, who's you know, the first patient we took in ever to cold water to test our theory. She afterwards, after her first proper swim, she said, God, that's the hardest thing I've ever done. She was so proud of it. You know, she felt so good from it. But the other thing is, it also has a physiological effect because getting into cold water regularly means that your body kind of downgrades its stress response, it downgrades its stress level. So, stress is good, inflammation is good. You know, inflammation is our first line of defense against bacterial attack but what we what we want to do is keep that in the physiological zone the zone that's good for us and the trouble is so many of us are running at a level where it's too high our baseline's too high and we go into the go into those peaks which are too high in that really pathological zone and what you get from cold water swimming regular cold water swimming is that baseline goes down and those peaks go down and you know this is what we see with your response, your breathing response with your heart rate response, with your blood pressure response.
0: What about migraines? I was really intrigued in your book. uh, You're talking about uh, a specific person. You don't have tons of trials, but someone with chronic migraines. Talk to me briefly just to find what chronic migraines are versus occasional ones from eating MSG um, and what, what the treatment was and what the results were.
1: So uh, that's a, this is a, a girl called Beth, and she was having 28 migraines a month. So, you know, pretty much every day she was getting a migraine. And a migraine is a whole body experience. You know, yeah. Yeah, you just totally flattened. You know, she was doing a PhD. She had to give up her PhD because she just couldn't get out of the house for long enough. And, you know, you have... Yeah, yeah, you have auras, you have funny feet, Yeah, your head goes weird, you have pain, Nausea. Yeah, yeah. yeah, nausea. I mean, it's just, it's just dreadful. I mean, the WHO says that a day with migraines is like a day being paraplegic. It's that bad. Mm-hmm. So she, again, you know, this is what I find really interesting. We don't have the trials, but what we have is people who, Have started doing it for, started doing cold water swimming for another reason. So she said, she read something about nature therapy and said, okay, look, I've got to do something. I can't work, I can't do my PhD. I want to go out and be in nature. Yeah, let's do that. And oh, how can we be in nature? Well, let's go down and swim in the sea every day. So she made this wonderful film called 100 Days of Vitamin C, which is C S E A. And uh, she, documented what happened but she didn't go down to cure her migraine but she found that her attacks became less and that they were shorter and it meant that she was able to finish her PhD so you know it had that effect hasn't cured them she still gets them but it calmed them down and I think with as with a lot of these things it's the it's the the effect on inflammation although interestingly With migraines, there's something about them being generated from the trigeminal nerve. And the trigeminal nerve is what takes signals, takes those pain signals or takes sensory Mm -hmm. signals from the face. And it's what links with the vagus nerve, which what's linked with the parasympathetic nervous system and reduces those levels of inflammation. So unproven, but, you know, it's it's kind of a
0: bit more than a coincidence. So, walk me through what you've seen from cold water swimming and fibromyalgia.
1: Well, that's uh, again, that's another of these cases where it was someone who came came on our courses, one of the chill courses, Martin. And he came on our chill courses for anxiety, but he had fibromyalgia. And he came in, and again, he, he said it worked for his anxiety. And he noticed that his symptoms of fibromyalgia were reducing and I thought this is and he he's come out with this fantastic comment which I, I keep coming back to which yeah you know, he came out and he sees he feels alert alive with a sense of euphoria and achievement now if you've taken a pill you do not get that if you've been in the water you do get that and whether you're know, taking apart the effect you know the actual effect on the condition I think that says a lot, you know it's just the whole difference about it, and interesting, I've just just today I've been reading a, a, an ask a new scientist about fascia, and we don't know much about fascia. we've always thought the fascia the the connective tissues in our bodies you know it's just a it's just a sack of nothing
0: it, it's more but, than
1: that for sure, <laughs> exactly, and you know it's such a complex thing and I think with a lot of things, so there's one is this level of inflammation. How do you decrease inflammation in these these difficult to get to organs? I mean, it's there all over the body, but it's, I think it's difficult to access because it doesn't have a massive blood supply. It's kind of a cleaning up thing, isn't it? You know, the, the heart, the lungs, they take the blood supply. And I think, so there's the inflammation side of that and also stretching and getting out. I don't know, There's there's something in, that fascia that i think we're missing and i'm there's a good evidence that that's kind of what we're looking at with fibromyalgia i mean it's in the name fibromyalgia fibers and muscles
0: it it, there's definitely an overactive uh, immune system and the immune system includes the fascia but like you said you can't get a lot of chemical signaling into the fascial planes so that's more touch uh, it's more temperature it's more light uh, possibly sound uh, and there's all sorts of weird adhesions and things that happen so i've done a lot of work on fascia and there are these uh, domains where people really know what they're talking about even like somatic uh, therapy a problem is if you look at the venn diagram overlap of medical schools and those there is no overlap between those Um, And there really ought to be like an open minded perspective on that would say, well, there's a tribe of healers over there. They're doing some weird stuff. We need to figure it out. And what I've come to understand is that if you can increase mitochondrial function systemically, generally things like that get better. But oftentimes that means removing root causes that were causing the electrical issue, which caused an overenthusiastic immune system. So it's it's a messy problem. But if you're finding that when people do cold water swimming, that they're getting improvements in fibromyalgia. That's a relatively affordable thing to do. So if, if that cold water exposure could work for you, heck, it's worth a try, as long as you're not so fibromyalgic that you wouldn't be able to get out of the water, because that could be bad.
1: Yeah, but I mean, that's that's the thing. It's It's something, I think what's great about cold water therapy is it's something that your body has control over. Yes, you get boosts in all these chemicals in the body, but when you're not bringing it in from outside, your body, every every single system, you have got the parasympathetic and the sy- sympathetic. You have uh, you have something pulling. You have something pulling in both directions. A dynamic equilibrium. In every single system in the body, and there, your body has control of it. So it's just pulling back. It's you've got control over it, even though you might be uh, be boosted up. And you know, by strengthening the pulling back of the parasympathetic nervous system, you bring the sympathetic nervous system back into where it should be and i think this is why it's so good and you're unlikely to do yourself damage as long as you're sensible about it and let's face it, you don't need to be in very long just yeah i say three minutes and put your face in three times
0: that's that's all you need to do to get a really significant effect um who should not do cold water therapy like there's got to be contraindications
1: Uh, There's got to be but they're actually relatively few I would say you know there's a a very uncommon but actually really serious condition called cold urticaria and that is where you have this kind of awful allergic reaction I suppose anaphylactic reaction to cold water uh, or to cold generally and that, that people with that shouldn't do it but then you know a lot of people worry about the heart and actually Get into cold water. If you can walk down to the beach or get in or whatever, and particularly if you can get out of the cold water that you're going into, your, your heart is probably good enough to to take it. What kills people with cold water isn't actually the heart. It's not the, the cold, suddenly cause your heart to uh, beat harder and giving you a heart attack. It's more likely to be the fact that when you first start swimming in cold water, you can't control your breathing. You start hyperventilating. And this is part of the problem in the way that you know, treat for anxiety and depression is it feels like a panic attack, but you can't. And so what happens is people go in, they go straight in, they take a lung full of water before they started. And that's, that's the, the thing that stops people from going in, uh, that, that kills people. The other thing is you've got to be a bit careful the first time you start doing it because you you get your body in first and then your face because otherwise, again, very unusual, but you know that sympathetic response can fight the parasympathetic response you get this thing called autonomic conflict and that can send off your send your heart into funny electrical rhythms which isn't isn't good for you. But on the
0: whole, if you can get in, you can get out safely. It's pretty safe um so, so overall, the risks are low medically. The risks are low from a predator perspective, and if you swim in a place with weird worm and amoeba parasites well, then you should probably know better. um other than that, i think uh, i I think it's a low risk, and especially the sticking your face in a bowl of cold water, uh, that's remarkably effective, and it's such an easy way to start. and if your goal is to go you know cold water swimming with your friends in the ocean uh, or a cold river uh you might consider doing that for three days first right just so that you won't be quite as shocked when you get in yeah is that absolutely yeah it's a great idea you know do that do the cold shower get accustomed to
1: it i mean this is an important part of it is getting accustomed to it getting used to it before you do it and you know it's also important to point out you get the benefits at pretty high temperatures i think anything below 20 degrees you're going to feel a significant benefit in terms of your body adapting to it—the maximum you know, or the minimum temperature you have to go into is like ten, ten to fifteen degrees centigrade. So that's what's that, fifty odd, fifty-five degrees, something like that. It's not that cold. You know, it doesn't have to be ice water. Yeah, just just go into cold water, pretty much. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's actually worth talking about uh, for a little while. When I you, you always go through these phases of saying, you know, more cold is good, and so then you want your water to be at you know thirty three degrees Fahrenheit or you know zero point one centigrade, right? But that is relatively hard to do. It, it's really intense. Is that any better than something that's sixty degrees uh, or I don't know what that is in in
1: yeah? Uh, I'm, I'm sort of bilingual. It's all right. Um, it's uh, no. Absolutely not. In fact, it's possibly worse. I I do find the colder the water is, the the longer and the more intense the buzz I get out of it. But I'm in for virtually no time at all. You know, it's a couple of minutes, three minutes max. And I don't think again, you got to look at the proportion of the fact you don't get any more benefit in terms of adaptation and things like this. It probably just feels a bit better maybe when you get out. I think in terms of your health, there is nothing to be gained and actually probably worse because it's yeah, you know, that temperature it actually begins to be painful. And that's that's not much fun. You know, I wear gloves and shoes in the winter. I'm not I'm not hardcore at all. Got it. And uh, and so and I mean the the only thing is I think you know, if you're in long enough that you get control over your breath, yeah. You know, so even when you're a seasoned swimmer or a seasoned cold person, you go in and you still you know, still you know you get that initial shock. And it's a minute, maybe maybe a bit longer, and you're past it. And you think, ah, oh, that's all right now. And it's the same when you put your face in. It's a few seconds. If you put it, take it straight out. It just hurts. But if you put it in, you keep it in five, ten seconds, and you're past that initial
0: shock. And I think
1: that that's all you need to do.
0: Mark, your book is called "Chill: The Cold Water Swim Cure," and it's totally it's so totally interesting to see the perspective of a medical doctor um, who's been doing this for 20 years and see what a difference it can make for all these different conditions. And so my call to action for you would be read chill the cold water swim cure. And even if you decide you're not anywhere near somewhere where you're going to go for cold water swim, like you live in the desert, um, you probably want to incorporate more cold therapy via any mechanism you can get, whether it's cold face, cold shower, cold plunge, uh, cryotherapy, just doing that a few times a week, I think, has long-term physiological benefits that are worth it. Uh, and it's okay to be a little bit lazy. It's also okay to make it part of your community time, where you get to hang out with other people who care enough about how they feel to go do it. And I think that's the big point of the book, is that you're getting the, the sense of community and the connection to nature and the physiological benefits all at once, which means it's a highly effective uh, from a you know, time-spent uh, activity for you. Mark, thanks for being on the show. Uh, It was an
1: absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed it.
0: You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey.
2: The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey.